No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Joshua divides the land for two large tribes on the west side of the Jordan. When they complain it isn't enough, Joshua offers a wise solution. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Joshua chapter 16 on Simply the Bible. It is good to know that there is plenty of room in God's kingdom. We each have a spacious place to serve if we are willing. The Holy Spirit gives to each of us at least one spiritual gift as he determines. The joy we have is to use this for the glory of God. Now, the truth is that none of us take all that God would be willing to give to us. We get weak or weary. Sometimes we take a spiritual detour. Other times we reach a plateau and become complacent. But there is always so much more for us to gain spiritually within the boundaries that God has established for us. These are just some of the lessons we find in the book of Joshua as God divided the promised land among the 12 tribes. God gave each tribe more than enough, but it would require them to battle the enemy to take it. We continue today as Joshua divides the territorial inheritance to two large tribes on the west side of the Jordan River, Ephraim and Manasseh. We pick it up in Joshua Chapter 16, the lot fell to the children of Joseph from the Jordan by Jericho to the waters of Jericho on the east to the wilderness that goes up from Jericho through the mountains to Bethel, then went out from Bethel to Luz, passed along to the border of the Archites at Adaroth, and went down westward to the boundary of the Japhletites as far as the boundary of lower Beth Horon to Gezer, and it ended at the sea. So the children of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim took their inheritance. Joseph had two sons named Manasseh and Ephraim. Before Jacob died, he called for Joseph to bless his grandsons. In the process, he crossed his hands, putting his right hand on Ephraim, who was the second born, and his left hand on Manasseh, who was the firstborn. In so doing, Jacob indicated that it would be Ephraim who would be the greater of the two. Jacob also took for himself these two boys to become two tribes in Israel. Since the tribe of Levi, being the priestly tribe, would not receive an inheritance, having 13 tribes in Israel guaranteed that there would be 12 tribal territories for them to inherit. The boundaries are given here of the tribe of Ephraim and the half-tribe of Manasseh on the west side of the Jordan River. As I've mentioned previously, your best bet is to look at a good Bible map of the tribal distribution of the promised land. Now in verses 5 through 10, we are given the border for Ephraim's territory. On the southern border were the tribes of Benjamin and Dan. Ephraim extended as far south as Gezer on the west and Jericho on the east. And then it came out of the Jordan River. On the west side from Gezer, the border went out to the Mediterranean Sea. 
And on the north, the border was just south of Gerizim and followed the brook Cana westward out to the Mediterranean. Ephraim included the city of Shiloh, where the tabernacle and Ark of the Covenant would be for the next 300 years. It also contained some of the most fertile land in central Canaan. In verse 10, we read, And they did not drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites to this day and have become forced laborers. This was the big mistake made by so many of the tribes of Israel. God told them to destroy the inhabitants of the land, but Ephraim did not obey. Instead, they allowed the Canaanites to dwell in the fortified city of Gezer. Later, they would force them into slave labor. But this would prove to be a fatal mistake, for during the time of the judges, this arrangement was reversed and the Canaanites rose up to enslave the Israelites. There is a clear lesson in this for us. Those areas of sin in our lives that we don't destroy will later arise to ensnare and even enslave us. These areas of our flesh may truly exist in fortified strongholds within us. And it's all too easy for us to tolerate and excuse them. But we are far better off to deal decisively, prayerfully, and harshly with them. In the first 13 verses of chapter 17, we are given the borders of the half-tribe of Manasseh on the west side of the Jordan River. The other half of Manasseh was on the east side. West Manasseh was north of Ephraim, with its southern border just south of Mount Gerizim, following the brook Cana westward to the Mediterranean. To the north of Manasseh were the territories of Asher, Zebulun, and Issachar. It included the cities of Shechem, Samaria, and Megiddo on the northern border. In verses 3-5, through five, we are reminded of the situation with the daughters of Zelophehad, the great-great-grandson of Manasseh. Since the father of these ladies had no son in which to pass down his inheritance, they had entreated Moses to obtain the family inheritance for themselves. Their boldness in this request formed a new law for Israel that if a man did not have a son, then his inheritance would pass to his daughter or to his nearest relative. Later, this law was modified a bit, stating that the daughters of Zelophehad could only marry within their own tribe so that the territory of Manasseh would not pass to another tribe. Such rights for women were extremely rare in those days. The fact that God granted the request shows that he is impartial and has equal concern for the rights of women as well as men. In verses 12 through 13, we see the same compromise as with Ephraim. Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites were determined to dwell in that land. And it happened when the children of Israel grew strong that they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not utterly drive them out. These were the cities up north in the hill regions. The Canaanites were determined to hold on to what they had, and the children of Manasseh let them have it. 
as Israel grew stronger, they would put these Canaanites to slave labor, but they did not drive them out or destroy them as God had said. This would prove to be the same fatal mistake as it was with Ephraim. What are those strongholds of the flesh in your life? Lust, pride, greed, anger, envy. If you don't, with the Spirit's help, completely put these to death, they will be a constant hindrance to you and keep you from wholly following Christ. Verse 14. Then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua, saying, Why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit, since we are a great people, inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now? Now, Ephraim and Manasseh had the most fertile ground of Canaan. And as I mentioned earlier, Shiloh was in Ephraim where the tabernacle would reside for the next 300 years. So they had the Lord dwelling among them. But this wasn't good enough. They wanted more. They didn't feel their lot was big enough. Their complaint seemed motivated by pride, for they said, we are a great people exalting themselves over the other tribes. They may have thought that they would get special treatment from Joshua since he was also from their tribe of Ephraim. So Joshua answered them, If you are a great people, then go up to the forest country and clear a place for yourself there in the land of the Perizzites and the giants, since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. I love Joshua's response here. He says, in essence, if you are such a great people as you say, then go up to the forest country and take on the giants. There's more land for the taking. So go get it. The tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh seem to be given to criticism and pride. They not only created problems for Joshua, but in the future would hassle Gideon, Jephthah, and David. I have found that often those people who complain the most do the least. Then there are those who are never content with what God has given them. They always want more, but are they willing to do what it takes? It isn't boasting that makes a person great, but it is doing. Caleb didn't boast except to say that he was just as strong at 85 as he was at 40. But then he went up and defeated the giants of the land. He proved it. He could have chosen a much easier path, but he wanted Hebron, and he was willing to fight the giants to get it. The apostles, James and John, asked Jesus if they could sit on his right and left in his glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? The baptism of which Jesus spoke was his crucifixion. So many people want the inheritance without the cross. They want the glory without the suffering. They want the title without the discipline and hard work that is required to obtain it. Now, there is nothing wrong with desiring great things if you are willing to do what it takes. Jesus never put down the desire to be great, but he did say, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Before each of us is all the spiritual territory we could ever want. But are we willing to do what is required to take it? Verse 16. 
But the children of Joseph said, The mountain country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both those who are of Beth Shean and its towns, and those who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a great people and have great power. You shall not have only one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours. Although it is wooded, you shall cut it down, and its farthest extent shall be yours. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. Joshua reminds me of a personal trainer who won't let you off the hook. Really, these two great tribes were whining about the Canaanites being too strong for them and having iron chariots. But Joshua said, buck up, guys. You are a great people, and you can take them even though they are strong and have iron chariots. In this, we see Joshua charging them as a father, but also comforting them as a mother. And that is how our greater than Joshua, Jesus Christ, handles us. He won't let us slack off or make excuses. If we shrink back, the Bible says, then he won't be pleased with us. Instead, he exhorts us as a father, but he also comforts and loves us like a mother. He sees in us far greater potential than we would ever dare see in ourselves, but he turns us from whiners into warriors. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we will see where Shiloh becomes the new headquarters for Israel's military. Joshua casts lots to determine the inheritance of the seven remaining tribes. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Joshua on Simply the Bible.